heard the call to build your small business? Make it happen with a .NET domain name, the place for dreamers for 30 years and counting. Visit keepdreamingup.net for tips and advice. Whether you're just getting started or looking to grow, that's keepdreamingup.net. Grizzlies Nuggets tonight. We'll talk about game four of the six-game road trip. We'll talk about a clean injury sheet. Get some words from around the league, including hearing from Chris Wallace himself. Also, the fellows from Dunked On Talk Grizzlies, too. All of that and some observations on Marc Gasol as well. You are Locked On Grizzlies. Welcome in Locked On Grizzlies. My name is Peter Edmiston. I am your host here, Locked On Podcast Network, covering the Grizzlies. I've covered the Grizzlies for a long time. Of course, I am on uh, 7 to 10 every morning, Sports 56, 87, 7 FM, Wallow and Peter in the morning, and uh, the Commercial Appeal. I write usually once, sometimes more a week uh, as a contributor with the numbers game. Appreciate all of you guys following me on Twitter, at Peter Edmiston, and uh, give me feedback. Any kind of subscription to the podcast is great. Ratings, all that stuff, I don't bug you about that much, but it really does help us uh, get the numbers up and continue to do some really cool things, so please uh, go ahead and do that. Today on the pod, we got some fun stuff, some different stuff, too. Uh, we are going to hear a couple of extended uh, interviews from uh, a couple of other sources that I thought were interesting. Chris Wallace talking Grizzlies. Also, the guys Nate Duncan and Danny LaRue um, talking Grizzlies as well. Those are coming up in, in just a moment. We're going to talk Grizzlies and Nuggets with a 3Q preview of a very intriguing game as the Grizzlies coming off two good performances uh, on this road trip, two and one so far, and uh, this is the the biggest news of all. The first time I can remember that the Grizzlies have a clean injury sheet. the uh, the The release was was put out uh, earlier on Tuesday. Nothing, zip, nobody, nothing, nothing happening. I I don't remember that. I don't remember seeing a Grizzly injury report that was clean. Huge news and uh, really beneficial. The fact that Brandon Wright's comeback seems to have gone uh, well. He didn't play very much, but he did play and didn't seem to have any kind of reaction to that. You know the situation with Chandler Parsons, and it is what it is, but he's not on the injury report. Um, Deontay Davis is back, I would assume, due to having missed games for personal reasons. But since he's not listed, I would assume that means that he's coming back as well. So... Uh, excellent news all the way around. And what does that mean? That means something bad is probably going to happen tonight. Um, that's typically the way it goes with the Grizzlies. I hope I'm wrong on that. Uh, but it is a, an intriguing matchup. And as I mentioned, we'll preview it coming up here in just a moment. Uh, I wanted to get to an observation real fast, too, that I that I, I was looking over some stuff. And y- if you guys listen to the podcast on any regular basis, and chances are you do, you know one of my things I've kind of harped on this year is how tricky it has been for the Grizzlies and how at times frustrating it can be when you look at this team and they don't have a they don't have a, a defined identity on a, on a consistent basis so they, they don't really have anything that, that they can you know, they they do have the defense at times but that's not consistent it's not anything that they can really lock in on it just sort of it, it comes and it goes and it's it's there in certain stretches, and they can really crank it up a lot. And then it goes, and it's it's completely gone. Um, the offense has been electric. I mean, hell, they had 16 threes in that game against Phoenix. Crazy stuff. But then they also have those games when, when it's back to the old school. The point is they're, they're, the, the lack of consistency has been 
Amazing. It's interesting because Marcus Gasol kind of embodies this to me. And I wanted to share this with you and, and just, I would be curious your reaction to it as much as anything else. So if, it, you know, we just got done with the month of January. And the month of January was Marcus Gasol's most productive month points-wise in his career by far. You know, now he had he had he had just previously broken his best career points total last month, December of 2016. He averaged 21.3 points per game in December. Well, in January this past month, he averaged 23.6 points per game, almost 24 points per game for Marcus Hall. He's only had three months in his career where he has uh, averaged over 20 points, and two of them have come in the last two months. It tells you how much his defense, or how much his offense, rather, is really cranked up. Like, he's taking this thing to the next level offensively in a way that, that he has not done in a long, long time. And he actually has done it with less usage uh, than in the previous month. He was over 28% last in December of 2016. Last month, he was 26.8, so not even 27. Uh, that is still high compared to months of the past. But ranking-wise, that that would be the what? Let me look this up. Third highest usage for the first highest point. So it tells you that the efficiency continues to grow. Um, his offensive rating was was pretty high as well in the month, uh, 119, which is not historic levels for him. That's top 10, but it's not um, you know un, off the charts or anything like that. He's had several higher offensive rating months. You know, typically early in his career when he took the vast majority of shots from right in, right at the basket. So his you know efficiency numbers were always really good. He was shooting like 55, 60% at times because everything was right there at the basket. But you know he's evolved his game. He's got the three-point shots. We've discussed all that at length. He hit 23 threes last month. That's a record for him. He's, he's doing all these offensive things that are that are incredible. And yet, and here's the part that I find interesting in this whole thing. And this is what this what kind of embodies my I, I don't I don't know. It's just if I find it interesting in my question about how this thing is going to go long term or or what can can you can you do everything that you need to do. Because, you know, all those offensive numbers are terrific, incredibly gaudy. But Mark's plus minus for the month. He was a minus three overall for the month, which actually puts him in in one of his worst months of his career, his worst plus minus month since March of 2011. That was a month that was right in that same neighborhood. You know, in, in in basically the months when the Grizzlies were really bad, you know, back in the in the pre-playoff days, those that's when what you're talking about here, February of 09, January of 09, March of 09, December 08, November 08, those kinds of those months when the Grizzlies were bad, then he had worse plus minuses, but <clears throat> for the most part, it's pretty much been, you know, he's had a good plus minus. In all these months, including last month, when you know he was doing a lot of the offensive stuff—not everything, but a lot of it—and he was a plus two point seven 
in that month, plus 2.9 in, in November. But as the shots have gone up and his focus on that has gone up, the attempts and all of that sort of thing have gone up, then the focus on defense has gone down to some extent. And I don't know, we've discussed this before, and David Fisdale's theory on it is that, you know, you can only expend so much energy, and once you expend your energy on the offensive end, you just don't want to do it on the defensive end. But I find it interesting that it really wasn't a big, massive negative for the Grizzlies until this month, when overall, in spite of having the best, you know, point-scoring month of his career, and, you know, putting up incredible offensive numbers... He's a he's a minus and in in a in a minus three and one of the worst plus minus totals he's put up for a long long time. It's so it's a it's it's a strange one to think about. Another interesting little fact for this month is that he played thirty six point three minutes per game this month, which puts him that is the most minutes he's played. In a in a month since April of 2014, and that was the short that was a short month because of the end of the season, only eight games in the regular season in that particular month. But you're you're going back to you know 2012, 2013, that Western Conference Finals team. Those seasons he was playing big minutes in all those months, 37, 38 minutes a game, up to 39. He had one month where he played 39 minutes per game. He's not quite at those totals, but he's back to totals that are, you know, in line well before, you know, two injuries ago for, for Marcus and certainly before the broken foot, which tells you that the obviously the process of healing and whatever maintenance plan or whatever minutes plan or whatever that is, is, is out the window. He, he seems to have been given the clean bill of health. If he hasn't been, then my God, I don't know when they give him a clean bill of health, he may play 45 minutes a game. He's playing huge, huge minutes. But, again, to mitigate the offensive numbers, he put up a, an offensive rating of 119, as I mentioned, but his defensive rating last month was 111. 111 points allowed per 100 possessions, which is the second worst month of his career defensively. He had one month, January of 2009, in his rookie season, where he had a defensive rating of 112. That's the only worst month that he's had in his entire career. And he's had 45 months that I am tracking here. I don't count like October because, you know, there's one game in October these months. But but these are the months where you've played, you know, at least a handful of games, at least enough to give me like a little bit of a baseline to work with. There's some months that had some games because of injury or because of their April and you know, shortened seasons, all that stuff. There, there are some months that are that are a little bit different, but you know, forty-five essentially meaningful months. This was the second worst defensive rating month in that entire total. Now, you know, what does that mean? Again, that it's hard to say because the offense was so good that the net rating ended up being you know plus eight, which is still very very good. But it's just different. It's a different way to get to that point. And it, it kind of tells you the fragility to some extent of what the Grizzlies are trying to do. 
or the pressure, I guess, that it puts on Mark to be as good offensively as he has been because that defense, you know, I, I don't, I think you, you could probably crank it back up, but if you crank it back up, then you are, you're going to necessarily have to crank the offense back down. And as it turns out, perhaps all the times that, that all of us, myself included, were talking about Mark being more aggressive on the offense end. You got to be more aggressive on the offense end. You got to go after it. You got to get it. You got to do this. You got to do that. Maybe Mark knew that it would come at, a cost that it would come at a cost defensively and the Grizzlies clearly as a team there have been some improvements in the last couple games but over the last 20 or so games they have clearly changed into a much more offensive minded team than a defensive minded one well it starts with Mark Mark's the guy that sets that whole thing up and if his defense slips then the entire team's defense is going to slip so this will be kind of a, a little game within a game, a little storyline to watch over the next couple months. How does this change? If does it change? Does d- does does Mark go all in on the offense because it has given him great acclaim, All Star appearance? It's it's certainly it's more fun and it's going to get more attention to be a big time offensive player. But is it going to be best overall for the Grizzlies? I, I don't know. Can you can you find a way to maybe back the offense down a little, maybe take some of those attempts down just a little bit in order to preserve some energy for the defensive end? I don't know. I don't know if you can find that balance. But right now the balance has switched completely in a different direction for him. And, you know, like I said, it's the, the net rating is still good. His plus-minus numbers are not good, but... I think that's you know that can be a little bit misleading. I wouldn't put tons and tons of stock in that. I think it's interesting, but I, I wouldn't I wouldn't go crazy with it. The net rating is still pretty good, but um, it it is it just bears watching. It's just something to kind of keep an eye on with Mark. And I thought you guys would find that interesting later on in the week. By the way, uh, tomorrow we're going to do the course the recap of the the Denver game, and uh, we'll give you another deep dive into the synergy numbers for the Grizzlies, how they get their offense. You know who is doing well, where they rank, all that kind of stuff. Uh, I'll give you some serious, serious deep numbers there coming up later on in the week. So if you have any requests on that uh, in particular, anything that you really want me to to dig into and try to find some, some more information on, then just uh, hit me up. Uh, you can email me, Peter, at PeterEdmiston.com or on Twitter, at PeterEdmiston. The time now to talk a little bit about the Nuggets game. Time now for a 3Q preview. Denver Nuggets hosting the Memphis Grizzlies. Game four, the road trip for the Grizzlies. And uh, this first question of our 3Q, that's the three-question preview, in case you're curious. Question number one is vital. Will Nikola Jokic play? That's, I mean, that changes everything. He has missed the last couple games for the Nuggets, last three, I guess. Uh, with a hip problem that he suffered, but he there's some talk, and as I record this, I do not have an answer for you. I wish I did. I don't think it's something that, that we'll know for sure until uh, later on this afternoon. But there's no word as I record this of whether he's coming back or not, but the thought was that he might be able to return as soon as tonight. And if he does then that's a huge, huge bonus for Denver, who's playing very well, by the way. 7-3 and three in their last 10 ball games, And 
some of those, as I mentioned, without uh, Jokic. And uh, you know, as I record this, they're playing the Lakers, so I don't I don't know what the outcome of that's going to be. Um, it's at the half, and, and Kenny Faree came back and has already got a, a, tr- a double double in, in the first half of that game of 14 rebounds in that first half. So um, it's um, it's been a uh, it's been a nice run for for them, but. Whether they win or not, they've been playing really well of late. And Fareed's been playing well. All, all, those, all those guys have been playing well. And in fact, as a team, they're shooting over 50% in those last 10 games. And they're shooting basically over 50% in the last 20 games. They've been on an incredible run. But look, the, the last healthy games for Jokic, going back, so his last, I guess, technically his last eight, uh, with, the, with this would measure, but... He is scoring, these are like video game numbers, 26 points, 11.5 boards, 5 assists, a steal, and 2 blocks per game, shooting 61% from the field. Absurd. You know, and, and Jokic is one of the best passers in, in, in the game, particularly for bigs. But, I mean, he's got vision that, that a lot of guards don't have. Uh, and he, he's got remarkable vision. He and Mark going up against each other is, is a treat to watch. And I, I hope for that reason that he plays. It will be easier for the Grizzlies to win if he doesn't. But even if he does play, I don't know how much he's going to be able to give them. But just keep an eye on, on whether or not he's going to be able to play. But look up and down their roster and, and guys that... You know, they, they've not really been able to figure out uh, the best role for, for Fareed, but he's shooting 66% from the field in his last 10 ball games. Um, you know, coming in off, you know, playing some off the bench and, um, you know, filling in when, he, when he's needed, kind of doing some of the things that Zach Randolph has done for the Grizzlies. Um, you know, Will Barton shooting 49% from the field. Darrell Arthur has played a bigger role and uh, is shooting 51%. And Jameer Nelson shooting 52%. I mean, they, they, they've just got a team. Wilson Chandler has been improved, and he's shooting almost 48%. They, they, they've, they've just got a lot, of, a lot of guys. They run really good stuff, and they are a good offensive team. And they've, they'll, they'll come back from this road trip, and their first game back will be against the Grizzlies. Uh, so that, that will... It, it will not be easy. Whatever the Grizzlies can do defensively, you know, they, they, they need to pick this game as one of the better defensive games or else they have an opportunity to get um, run out of the gym by a team that can easily make 50-plus percent. I mean, they, they average that. They can make 55% of their shots uh, in any given game. Now, question number two for the Grizzlies is going to be, and this is less a question than just sort of a discussion point, but it's Grizzlies point guards. Uh, let's talk about it. You know, first of all, Mike Conley, how does he respond to his career night on Monday with that 38-point effort, 12 of 18 from the field, 7 of 10 from behind the arc? He was magnificent. He had six rebounds, nine assists to go along with it. Everything was clicking. I mean, he was great on both ends, doing all the stuff that, that you would expect him to do and really trying to prove that he was snubbed when it came to the All-Star game. Uh, so how does he respond? You know, how, how does he come back from a big-time successful performance? That's, that's sometimes difficult to do. Then behind Mike, you know, wh- where, when does Tony Douglas take the bulk of the minutes? You know, he played mostly garbage time in the game on Monday. Does he take over the, the reins at backup point guard right away? 
do do they continue to kind of slide him in slowly? And Andrew Harrison still plays uh, a role. You know, keeping an eye on that is going to be you know, I- I- important to see because you know <clears throat> that's that's what you brought Tony Douglas in for. And you'll hear Chris Wallace um, talk a little bit about some of the the situation with Andrew Harrison and developing young talent coming up you know, later on in the pod. But you know, they they need they they need a, a steady hand. They need a, a solid guy in that backup point guard role. You brought in Tony Douglas to be that guy, so I'm guessing, I'm thinking his his role will increase uh, in tonight's game. You know, he of course <clears throat> was technically signed on Monday, just hours before the game, so maybe that's you know, part of the acclimation thing. Maybe he didn't have time to get everything ready. I don't know. <clears throat> I just think you'll see you'll see more of him coming up uh, in uh, tonight's matchup. And finally, question number three is how much fun is it to watch Zebo right now? He is on a tremendous run. Two dunks Monday night. Eh, I haven't seen that in forever. Then he puts up another stellar offensive performance coming off the 28 points that he scored uh, in the Utah game. Then against the Suns, he comes in and, and bangs out another 18 points in, in 23 minutes. If you look at his numbers over the last 10 for the Grizzlies, he's averaging about 28 minutes a game, 16 points, 10 rebounds, 3 offensive rebounds. And to go along with it, he is the Grizzlies' second best plus-minus guy over that stretch. Mike Conley is the best in that stretch of time, but Zach is second best. You know, he's coming in, and heck, he's even hitting 44% of his threes. Not taking a ton of them, but uh, he was 2 of 3 the other night. He he can He's starting to find a little range. In the meantime, I mean, you know, over the last 10, Troy Daniels is 29% from three. Zach's 44%. Um, Mark's 45, for example, and, and Mike Conley's 42. Conley's taken seven threes a game, incidentally, uh, over the last 10, which is pretty amazing. But uh, Zach is is playing some of the best basketball we've seen from him in, in a while. And uh, it, it's the, some of the most entertaining basketball if nothing else. I mean, you know, on the defensive end, it is what it is, but the matchups are, are dictating that Zach can really go to work on the offensive end. And I think Zach's playing hard defensively. I don't I don't think he's, you know, doing anything that he hasn't done for, for years. He's never been the best <clears throat> clinical defender. He doesn't have the fastest feet. He's not going to be able to defend guys out of the three-point line. He struggles in pick and roll, all that stuff. But he's playing hard, and he's more than masking it on the offensive end with some stellar, stellar shooting. So, uh, I, I, you know, this is just one of those things you appreciate what the guy is going to give you. I thought, as a kind of a side note, uh, our friend Matt DeHerdlicka had a nice piece earlier this week on uh, on Grizzly Bear Blues about the contract that Zach could potentially get along with Jermichael Green and others. And uh, you'll hear the Dunk Dunk guys talk a little bit about Zach coming up as well and give their thoughts, which differ a little bit from mine, on, on Zach too. But he, no question, he is just an he's just a treasure guy's a treasure treasure zach randolph because uh, he is mentally he seems to be back from uh going through the loss of his mom and uh i hope that's the case it's difficult to do but he continues to just uh defy all the odds and still carve out a heck of a role for himself coming off the bench for this team Now, as I promised, a couple of clips to uh, wrap up the podcast, some long-form stuff. First of all, uh, a few minutes from the guys on the Dunked On podcast. Uh, 
Danny LaRue and, of course, the namesake Nate Duncan talking. Uh, they, they're part of, uh, Danny LaRue does uh, Locked On uh, Warriors. Good good guys, a, a little bit of a different style. If you haven't heard their podcast, uh, it is very much nuts and bolts, but they get very deep into a lot of the advanced stats, a lot of the, you know, the, the projection stuff. They get into the money stuff quite deeply. Uh, if you haven't checked out their podcast, do that. It's dunked on uh, NBA, dunked on basketball. You can look for it all, all over whatever, uh, wherever you need to search. They have a uh, ongoing thing where once a month or so they go through uh, each team in the West and the East and do a kind of a rundown of how they're doing, uh, what they you know some of the, just just a few thoughts on the, those teams. And uh, they did the Grizzlies yesterday, I guess, <clears throat> on the pod, and they talked a bit about Zach Randolph, about Wade Baldwin. Uh, about how the Grizzlies are doing, a little bit about Marcus Gasol, some contract stuff, that kind of thing. So I thought you'd want to hear that. So here are uh, those guys talking a little bit about uh, the Grizzlies. The second game that I saw him against a Rio Grande, which is the, the Houston affiliate, he was awful. He got a technical. He was complaining to the refs, got totally taken out of his game. You saw just from his body language a lot of these concerns that people had about him and his attitude coming into the draft and, and he had a really poor game uh after he, he was probably the biggest engine for them to win the game before that although they're playing against utah's team the stars which is uh i think it's the utah stars I can't remember or the salt lake city stars something but uh which is the worst team in the d-league so that that he had this huge game i think he had like 28 points or something um and a lot of it was just attacking the rim in pick and roll. Not like a ton with the jump shot for him off the dribble. We didn't see that, although he was purported to be a good shooter. Wasn't thinking that he, I mean, clearly Andrew Harrison, who they did a great job of developing last year in the D-League. I, I've heard you know, he was a guy who kind of had an attitude problem at Kentucky and in, t- in talking to people around the team a light really switched on for him in Iowa last year and he realized that he had to start working increased his skill level got a lot better at drawing fouls got a lot better defensively I think he's been a solid defender this year uh, that's enabled him to stay on the floor despite the fact that you know some of his traditional box score numbers are, are really bad uh, and hopefully they can get the same kind of results there out of Baldwin although they were so bad that they actually fired their coach in Iowa they were like 2-14 and 14 at one point you never see a D-League coach get fired during the season so uh, I mean I, I didn't see a ton out of weight I mean it was nice that he at least could have a good game in the D-League since he hadn't even been doing that uh, but not a ton to change my opinion on him uh, ultimately not uh, fans of Wade Baldwin, at least Nate. Not a fan of uh, Wade Baldwin, but to be fair, if you've watched Wade uh, down at the D League level, the, it's it's the, there's there's a lot of work to do. There are these there's no doubt he's still got a long way to go, and yeah, he's not really progressed. It's been a big disappointment, honestly. I, I really thought, especially after that first game where he just came out crazy. He had three steals, three blocks in his first NBA games. Crazy. Um, and you you thought that there would be something to kind of you know, build on there, but it has not happened. It has not happened for him at all. And, you know, he looks <clears throat> more or less like the same player. If anything, he seems like he's regressed a little bit. And that the jump shot has got a lot of work that needs to be done. And, you know, really offensively, he just everything looks like it's going so fast for him. Even in the garbage time that we saw on Monday when he played a little bit, same kind of stuff. Just hasn't really uh, improved in that regard. So I don't think you're going to see much from Wade, if any anything, until next season. A big summer coming up for him. 
of improvement summer league. You, you, you need to start to see the wheels turning and progress being made or else you start to worry about him uh, over the long term. Now, um, the guy that drafted him and many, many others for the Grizzlies, and we've talked about their draft record over the years, and it has not been uh, particularly good. Um, well, I, Chris Wallace, who does not make a ton of media appearances these days, used to be on all the time, uh, including on with me on the radio side uh, every week, but doesn't do that anymore. Um, so when he when you hear from him, it is interesting. And he talked to Ron Tillery on the Commercial Appeals podcast uh, yesterday on the road, and he discussed a lot of different things. I, I would urge you to go and check out that podcast yourself. It's on the CA's website, commercialappeal.com. Uh, you can check the Twitter feed out and all that. They've got it for you there. But I, I, I cut out a little snippet of the podcast, three minutes or so, of Chris talking about the player development side of it, and, and he'll respond. You'll hear First thing you'll hear from him is a response to a question that Ron asked about player development and about uh, you know criticisms of the Grizzlies in developing players, and you'll hear his defense of that. And then you'll hear a question that Ron asked about Chandler Parsons and what they expect from Chandler Parsons and, and what they expect going forward. So uh, some good stuff from, from Chris. I thought you'd want to hear it. And, uh, again, this is his response to Ron's question about player development that was actually coached in – uh, the last thing Ron asked was about Vince Carter and about how you know they are still relying so heavily on a 40-year-old guy. We're not allowed to have Vince because he's 40 years old. I mean, <laughs> is there some rule out there? Yeah, I don't know if anybody's looked lately. He's, he's over 30 guys are doing quite well. I believe LeBron James is over 30. And, and I adhere to the adage that it ain't broke, don't fix it. Why would we get rid of all these guys? They perform at a very high level. We can win games with them. We're trying to bring along younger players as well. Jermichael Green has certainly flourished with us. I think basically because he got an opportunity, we've worked with him. We gave him an opportunity he never had before in his career. I think he's done extremely well. At one point or time this year, Ron, we've had very strong performances which have helped us win games from all of our other young players. We've had it from Andrew Harrison. I mean, Andrew's in the rotation. So, I mean, he has certainly earned his keep. Uh, Jarrell Martin has helped us. He's on an assignment in Iowa right now, but we've had some very good games from him. Troy Williams, unfortunately, who we had to weigh, but was starting at times and helped us win some games. Uh, and D.D. Davis, unfortunately, he's been injured a great deal, but we've seen his ability to block shots. And go back to that Cleveland game on the road in mid- mid-December when he's f- suffered the, 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 the terror of the plantar fasciitis. The, the plantar fascia, I believe it's called. Get my medical terms right out of Gray's Anatomy. But he was really rolling in that game, running the floor, catching the ball, dunking on, on rolls to the basket, blocking shots. We think he has an enormous future. So I think we're bringing these guys along. But when you're a team that's pushing to go deep in the playoffs, you're in your window, it's hard to develop a mass of young players and also play your veterans and be in a position to win every night, too. It's hard to serve both masters. Uh, when people talk about the ceiling for this particular team, Chandler Parsons comes up. They talk about how much can you get out of Chandler Parsons and how strong your backup point guard could be. Well, you've checked one box. What are you expecting from Chandler Parsons this season? Well, Chandler is playing more and more minutes as we go along. He's had some very good games that have helped us. The, the intent of this program we've been on with him 
uh, this minutes maintenance and just getting him ready is to be able to unleash him late in the year and in the playoffs. That's that's definitely still in the cards. We're excited we have him. He just provides a versatile wing player at that size with the ability to shoot threes we haven't had. So still very bullish on him. And I think this is a team that still has its best basketball in front of us. I wish we'd have been more consistent up to this point and have a few more wins. I mean, we've had some huge wins. I mean, the comeback at Golden State beating the Warriors at home without Mike, the win down in Houston. I mean, we've done some great things this year. So I think if we can be more consistent from this point on, we got a chance to, to go much further up in the standings and not only get in the playoffs. And we're a team people aren't going to want to play in the playoffs. A couple things to respond to uh, some interesting comments from Chris Wallace. First of all, whenever you have to bring up you know, Troy Williams, the guy you just cut, as one of your success stories, that's that's not great. Jarrell Martin, you know, the, the jury's still very much out on him and Wade Baldwin and lots of these guys. Uh, of recent vintage, and there's a huge gap, and, and, and there's nothing that Chris Wallace can really even say about the big gap that they, they've they've run up, the inability to find anybody to stick, and the guys that they did find, they didn't keep and didn't recognize their their talent or weren't able to figure out what to do with them, especially you know, a guy like Damari Carroll is, is the most glaring of those those guys. Yeah, they had to essentially give up a first-round pick to give him away in a dump that ended up getting them Shane Battier, that he and... and Damari and Hashim Thabit went, you know, to the the Rockets in in that case, in in that deal. So you know, it's it was that there there's a lot of. It's not entirely Chris Wallace's fault. It's not entirely every coach that that's been here's fault. It's it's not all that, but it's just a, it's they have just not had a an organizational commitment to developing players, and that has started to change. I think. But you, you won't be able to see the benefit of that for some time, especially because they just don't have a lot of draft picks to, to work with at this point. Then, with regard to the comments about Chandler Parsons, I, I think the, the goalposts have continued to move on Chandler. And you know now it's a discussion about you know, well, getting him ready and, and making sure that he can play for the playoffs or for you know, late in the regular season. And, uh, you know, that, that's not what you would expect in year one of a four-year contract worth $94 million. I mean, the, the, the discussion was that he's going to play and be a significant contributor right away. If he's not now, you know, when will he be? And, and that, that does put pressure on, on Chris and on everyone else to get, get as much as they can get out of that deal. So I, I will, I think we're all very much waiting to see, but the fact that he's still restricted minutes-wise, the minutes have just ever so slowly crept up and he's still right at that 21-minute threshold at this stage and doesn't look all that great in those 21 minutes in, in general, there's a lot of reason to be skeptical about whether he's going to be able to contribute uh, at any kind of a, whatever the high level you want to call it, at any kind of a high level come playoff time or, or whenever. Thanks so much for joining me here on Locked on a Grizzlies. As always, you can check me out 7 to 10, Wolo and Peter in the morning, Real Sports Talk Sports 56, 87, 7 FM. Check out Numbers Game in the commercial appeal. And you can check us out on Facebook as well. Search for Locked on Grizzlies or uh, go to facebook.com slash Locked on Grizzlies. For those of you, of course, that are big fans of the podcast, let me tell you something. This is a great spot for your company. If you want to reach men 
between the ages of 18 and 54. This is the place for your audiences. And here's something to consider. Recent surveys have shown that podcast listeners are 65% more willing to think seriously about purchasing products they learned about from podcasts. 60% given equal price and quality prefer to purchase from companies that advertise on their favorite podcasts. Our rates are very reasonable. Please shoot me an email, Peter at PeterEdmiston.com. Shoot me a, a tweet at Peter Edmiston or a direct message, something like that. We can get uh, all the information out to you. I'd love to have you on the podcast, become part of our family, and reach all those great folks out there that are listening. Thank you so much. You have been Locked on Grizzlies. Locked on Grizzlies, your daily podcast on the Memphis Grizzlies, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10 17